Welcome back to the Heat Wave, episode two. We are staying in the NFC West with the Seattle Seahawks. But before we begin, I want to remind you to please download the Fantasy Football by Brodo app. Uh, look, we have been doing research for a long time. This is the fifth year of the Heat Wave. We've been doing podcasts for seven years. And during that time, we know exactly what it takes to research and win in fantasy football. So what we did was we created an app that gave all the stats you need to win in fantasy football to you so that you could be your own expert. You're welcome. And it's free. You're welcome. Go download it. And the reason why it's free is because of the people at patreon.com slash fantasy. Join now to support for as little as $3 a month. And on top of that, you can get the number one tool that we have. And that is the extra waiver wire episodes during the season. But you could play with, you could play in leagues with us. You could be in the Discord. You can get extra perks. You can get mailback questions. Always constant access to us and tons, tons more. Can you run? Think about how many things, because we're always changing the perks and we're always giving out new perks every year. And, you know, our we love our patrons. So if you come, you'll be one of us. So we encourage you to do that. But we also encourage you to listen through on YouTube.com slash Brodo Fantasy or wherever you get your podcast to this episode two of The Heat Wave. And that is going to begin right now. Tonight, yet another staggering heat wave striking fantasy football. Hot air. Hot air. So hot and hurt. So hot and Oh! Back. We are back, baby. It is the second heat wave. Uh, of course, I am joined by my compadres, my partners in crime, Mr. Michael, lead analyst and editor at Brodo Fantasy, in case you were wondering, and Mr. Matt Ward, the Dynasty Don, of course, uh, lead writer and uh, director of content at Brodo Fantasy, of course, and your boy, editor-in-chief at Brodo Fantasy. We got the titles. Go check us out on YouTube.com slash Brodo Fantasy. You already know. But um, Matt's also we... our director of cooking. Bats. I, I, look, chef it up. Chef, the, the director of chefs. <laughs> chef and chef and chef. And. Um, speaking of chefs, the guy who's actually, mixing actually, it's up. Funny, Mike. Title at work right now is literally director of culinary, and both of you missed it. <laughs> there you go. Damn, <laughs> kind of like we're in the ballpark, right? <laughs> but like the guys that are that are chefing up this offense and have been for the last uh, since 2010, which is a long time, is head coach Pete Carroll, and we're giving you the offensive outlook for the first part here. <laughs> uh, the offensive outlook is how the the offense is is looking compared to last year moving forward. Uh, it's really important to know what offense guys are in, right? The chess pieces do what they do, but it's people who move the chess pieces that make them effective. And the guy moving the chess pieces here is the offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron. Uh, this is his third season. Uh, last year, ninth in points per game, took the NFL by surprise with Geno Smith coming out of the abyss and resurrecting his career. Uh, in fact, they did it with the 13th uh, most pass percentage, which is definitely not a Pete Carroll staple. They passed 57.4% of the time, 23rd in rust percentage, only 43% roughly just under percent of the time. Uh, they didn't make any free agent additions, but they did add two impact rookies, um, Jackson Smith and Jigba at the wide receiver position and Zach Charbonnet at the running back position. We're going to be talking about those guys as we go. Not really any offensive subtractions to talk about, so let's get right into it. Matt, QB is a position that obviously holds the most importance maybe in all of sports. And when you have a guy like Geno Smith on the contract that he's, in, he's on, the Seattle Seahawks are in a, in a great position. And their roster looks yeah. like something that can contend. 
the only thing stopping that contention is if Geno Smith decides to regress. And it's not like we haven't seen something like that before, right? We've seen people take leaps and then regress, especially when they've had careers in the same ilk as Geno Smith. So my question to you is, are you buying into the Geno Smith year two? Are you look? You're probably not looking to roster him in a standard league, but maybe in a in a super flex league. Maybe yeah, we're talking that. Here we go. Um, how are we feeling about Geno Smith this season? Man, I I like Geno Smith. Like I I like Geno Smith. I don't think he's going to see much regression. All they've all Seattle did was like double down on Gino point to Gino being the number one guy. And all he did last season when they did that is toss for 29 touchdowns and 4,069 yards. And now they add Jackson Smith and Jigba, who is absolutely the wide receiver one of the 2023 class. And they add Zach Charbonnet, who is the best pass blocking running back of the 2023 class and a decent pass catcher in himself. Everything says that they're going to pass more, not run more. And that Gino is the guy like nine years in the league, nine years in the league. And he never really got the opportunity to prove anything. He's never started 17 games. He starts 17 games and he puts up a QB one season, 18.7 points per game. That was QB eight in points per game, a little higher of an overall finish QB seven tossed for again, 29 touchdowns on 572 attempts like Seattle opened up the offense with Geno, something that they never wanted to do with Russell Wilson, who many people thought was a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback and obviously has muddied his image a little bit in that sense, um, in that disastrous year that he just put up in Denver. Obviously, career highs for Geno across the board in every single counting stat, but he's also top seven amongst all quarterbacks in every single efficiency stat as well league high 70.2% completion percentage, only nine interceptions. Like Gino played better than even league average would suggest. And he did it better than top 10 quarterbacks could. He also added a little nice 315 rushing yards. He got one touchdown rushing. So that boosted his total combined touchdown total to 30 to end the fantasy season. And he boasted a true throw value of 0.45, which ranks six for all quarterbacks that had more than 400 pass attempts. So basically healthy quarterbacks in 2022. True throw value has proven to be a sticky stat. Like we watched it go season to season. It's what led us to Ryan Tannehill having a high true throw value to end out his career in Miami, knowing he was going to pop off in Tennessee. That's kind of one of Brodo's calling cards, right? And it's saying the same thing is going to happen with Gino. And he's not necessarily at it age where you're worried about arm strength regression. He was also number one in um, deep ball completion percentage beyond the 50 yard line, which I know is kind of like a, a weird small window stat. But what that tells me is like when the Seahawks get ready to score, they let Gino unload. Unload, yeah. Gino. I, I would unload on some Gino's when I was a kid. That was some bars with some bars. When I was when I was a kid, uh, I used to have Gino's Pizza. That was the pizza spot by my house. I used to unload on some Gino's. Um, look, Gino's Gino's gonna unload. I can't, yeah, I can't he's, say it he's anymore. not being drafted in, in standard one QB leagues, QB 15 and ADP of 112 overall. Like he's being ignored in one QB leagues, but you literally cannot name 12 QBs, 15 QBs that were better than Geno Smith last season. You can't name nine. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, and I mean, do we go running backs after this? Usually we usually go running backs after this, uh, but I feel like I'm going to go with the wide receivers because you did touch on the wide receivers here. So I'm going to go and, and take over wide receivers on this one. And I think the biggest question is here, how does JSN 
fit into an offense that is so heavy on these two guys. When you're talking about Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, they absolutely dominated targets last season. 258 targets combined. That was over 50% of all the targets in the entire team. Um, and that would have been way more than that if Tyler Lockett didn't miss a few games. Like he's The, the only reason is because Tyler Lockett missed those games. So the question is, are there enough targets to go around for him to be a factor right away? I think that he, they drafted him to be a, a slot receiver. I think they're going to make him a slot receiver. Slot receiver in this offense doesn't really have a role under Shane Waldron. Now, there's two schools of thought. One me, one is that's bad news for JSN because that means that, look, Tyler Lockett could be a free agent after next year, depending on his option. Um, now tell them my school of thought. <laughs> you know, they could be a free agent. They're kind of waiting for that to happen. Uh, but on the other school of thought, the Matt school of thought, he's going to come in and, and dominate targets right away because he's dominated targets for his entire career. And he's more so, talented than Tyler Lockett is. I, yo, Tyler Lockett is the reigning most slept on player in the NFL five years running. I'm just putting that out there. And we already have Tyler Lockett slander before I get into my Tyler Lockett. It's, it's, not, it's not slander. That's, it's slander. That's, it's not slander. It's Tyler Lockett is as talented as you just said he is, and JSN is more talented than him. All right. Well, well, let's get let's get into it because the numbers for uh, Mr. Lockett are impressive. And look, right now, if you're telling me DK Metcalf or Taylor Lockett, not even taking JSN into the account, I really do think Tyler Lockett is a better pick at ADP at the moment because DK Metcalf. Man, I got to say, when you look at his raw numbers, like when you look at his talent on the field, it says one thing. But when you look at his raw numbers, he really fails to wow you. Um, last year, his true throw value, which, by the way, I mean, true target value, which is a Brodo exclusive stat that shows you how much basically what a target is worth. Not like the amount of fantasy points, but they put a number on how good it is. And his targets were the eighth most valuable targets in the entire league last year. Despite that. He finished 20th wide receiver 20 in points per game. On top of that, he had 28 red zone opportunities. That was the second most of any wide receiver in the league, but he ended with just six touchdowns. That was 19th, right? So when you're talking about DK Metcalf, he gives off the impression of wide receiver one. But Certainly in reality, not. I think I would be way more comfortable having DK Metcalf as my wide receiver two. Right, but I don't know if you're going to be able to pick him in that in that range and and not miss out on a wide receiver. I don't know his ADP at the at the current moment, but last time I checked, it was around the beginning of round three, end of round two. That's just too much for me. It's too much for me to pay for DK Metcalf. Now, can that change? The opportunity is there. So if he gets that opportunity and improves, yes, that can change. But you're talking about Geno Smith, who's not. I know that Matt just went in on how he believes in him. He's not guaranteed to do what he did again. Can he? Yes. Can he improve? Yes. Far from guaranteed. I would even say the odds are against it. Metcalf's going about wide receiver 15 at the moment. Okay. So, I mean, a decent price for DK Metcalf. Not something that I'm going to be overly mad at you for, for drafting. But you're kind of drafting him at his ceiling there. Because unless this offense takes a major leap forward... I don't think that there's much like they were ninth in the league in scoring. He was second in red zone opportunities. There's not much room for improvement there. I kind of agree with that. So when you're talking about that, all right, so DK Metcalf, not the guy. So 
So although I'm not mad at you if you draft him, for me personally, I'm letting someone else in my league reach for DK Metcalf thinking they got themselves a wide receiver one, and I'm going to let them have that. I prefer Tyler Lockett, like I said, the reigning most slept-on player in the NFL. On the other hand, Tyler Lockett's true throw value was 27th last year, and he finished as 17th in wide receiver points per game. He only had nine red zone opportunities, yet he scored nine touchdowns. He's scoring on big plays. He had 14 big plays last year. To, to be honest, Tyler Lockett, uh, just every single year, outplays his true throw value. Like, he's a guy, a true target value, excuse me. He's a guy who always does that. But now I'm nervous because JSN is in the picture. So this is a muddy, muddy wide receiver situation. Uh, if I'm you and I'm looking to draft one of these guys, um, if it's JSN, look, if you're a huge JSN fan and you want to – I'm not taking him anywhere where he has to start for me. Like, he's a stash, bench, see what happens, maybe even drop your fab on him in week two kind of player. Tim, Tyler Lockett's currently going off the board at wide receiver 34 yeah. on underdog. Guess, if, uh, it's a, guess where you think JSN is going. I'm going to say wide receiver 20. No way. 20, no. It has to be like, he's going, is he going before Tyler Lockett, bro? Are you messing with me right now? Yes. I mean, take a guess. Guess. 28. Wide receiver 32. 20 is far too okay. high. Let's sit right. down a little bit. Yeah, that shows Matt's love. That shows well, Matt's I was love just, I was, I thought, I thought Mike was setting us up. Me too. Like that was, a, that was, a, you're, I mean, you're JSN's a being, being drafted ahead of Tyler Lockett. It is well, kind this, of a, this kind of plays into that philosophy that we were even touching on in episode one, where like when there's so many weapons on an offense, one of these guys is going to underperform ADP. And I kind of think it's DK Metcalf, but also you can go deeper into that philosophy and say that the best option is the cheapest one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and Tyler Lockett is again, just like guys, I, I remember getting, I remember drafting Tyler Lockett last year in the eighth round in my home league and everyone cutting my ass, everyone. Everyone's saying, what a loser. Tim just picked Tyler Lockett. What? Yeah. Yeah. Motherfuckers. Uh, but anyway, yo, I do not year, recall that. But last year, I dropped my my starting wide receivers. My starting What's wide receivers it? were Tyler Lockett and Amon Ross St. Brown. And I got made fun of for having the worst wide receiver room in the, in the league after the draft to the point where I started doubting myself and I could not sleep. I could not sleep <laughs> that night after my pretty, home draft. Pretty decent I'm like, season. Oh, my God. Yeah, and then I traded for Stefan Diggs, and everything was all right. Um, anyway, like I was saying, uh, that's it for my – that's my thoughts on wide receivers. Um, and there's another crowded room as well, the running back room. Yeah. Um, and I will say this before you get into this, Michael. A lot of people are going to tell you that, they, that this is going to be a 50-50 room or that Zach Charbonnet is going to take it over, and those are definitely in the range of possibilities. But I will say this. I will say this. Kenneth Walker sliding right now, his ADP. And not too long ago, Rashad Penny was a first-round pick of the Seattle Seahawks. And guess whose draft stock plummeted that year? Chris Carson. Guess who got the vast majority of the carries that year? Chris Carson. Guess who won a lot of people fantasy championships because he was a great value? Chris Carson. Right. So Man, I miss Chris Carson. I, Chris Carson was a beast. <laughs> right. So I beast. will say this going into this. I like a little Kenny Walker value at the moment because of this. Now, <laughs> could, it I could could be erroneous. Michael, am I being erroneous? Check me, Michael. Am I being erroneous? Erroneous. Erroneous on both accounts. Look, 
Ken Walker had a tremendous rookie season. He ended the season 17th in points per game at roughly 13 and a half points, despite not um, reaching 50% of snaps through the first four weeks of the season. Week five was the first week he received a snap share of over 50%, and he immediately put forth a top 20 RB week beginning in week five. He totaled 10 of 12 games as RB25 or better, including three top 10 overall games. He also totaled over 20 carries in six of those 12 games. So he came in and he became a huge part of that Seattle offense. On the downside, his passing usage declined a bit as the season progressed. Walker totaled 17 targets from weeks 6 through 10, and then just 11 in weeks 12 through 18. Um, when Travis Homer and DJ Dallas started getting more involved in the passing game, which of course is not ideal. Despite that, he was still very productive on the ground. He totaled over 100 yards in week 16, 17, and 18. He was also fourth in red zone opportunities on the season, which is fantastic considering he didn't play much the first four games to begin with. If there was no Zach Charbonnet on the team, I would be all over Ken Walker as a top 10 running back this year. Like I was I was a huge fan of his um, prior to the NFL draft. And now, of course, adding Zach Charbonnet muddies the water a little bit. He was drafted round two, 52nd overall after an impressive collegiate career. I know Matt is a fan of his. Um, He actually set the Michigan school record for most touchdowns by a freshman. All these shout out to Matt for providing these stats in 2019. First team All-American last year. He led the NCAA in all-purpose yards last year at 168 yards per game. Um, he also proved to be a tackle breaking machine. He evades tacklers. He's pretty quick as well. And he improved as a receiver throughout his collegiate career. As Matt mentioned earlier, he's also a, um, very good pass blocker. So the idea that he could be a spellback slash third down roll type of guy right away, um, is not something that has to be, that, that can be taken lightly in my opinion, which means Ken Walker may be forced into more of a early down work type of load or as tim mentioned charbonnet just doesn't really pan out and ken walker becomes a workhorse and that's that's really the question i think the adp right now makes sense of rb16 on underdog rb17 on ffpc it kind of meets in the middle there like if he's first and second down back and he breaks out some long runs he he'll probably end up around there but if he's a um if he ends up being a three down type of guy i think he's going to be a great pick at adp the issue is we have to see how Zach Charbonnet responds to NFL defenses. We have to see. I mean, I'm interested to see how the preseason goes with these two as well, because Ken Walker, I liked a whole lot. And then now at his current ADP there, you know, fourth, fifth round guy, kind of the RB dead zone area. I'm a lot more hesitant to draft him than I would be if, uh, if he was, if he was still just alone in that backfield. So just a reminder, um, follow us on, Broto Fantasy at Broto Fantasy. Uh, follow, subscribe to the pod because obviously we're doing these a little in advance. Uh, we're not going to be meeting every single day to record these, so we have these a little in advance. As of recording right now, we don't know how uh, the offense is playing out, or we don't we don't see it from the preseason. It's early yet. So, with that being said, we will update and we will give you our updated opinions on these players. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Threads. Um, which you know is the Elon Musklist. So uh, follow us there, uh, and also follow Matt's advice on tight ends that he's about to drop on you. 
Yeah, I mean, the tight end position kind of just it, it crowds the receiving room a little bit further because uh, Noah Fant's there, but I, I think I'm officially out on Noah Fant as a redraft asset, and, and ADP would reflect it as well. He's not really getting drafted. Um, but the Seahawks receiving room and offensive philosophy it seems a little too crowded for him as well. He can't really fit in last season. Didn't see a very high snap percentage. Col- Colby Parkinson and, and even Will Disley were out snapping him on several occasions. And then they add a perennial target hog in Jackson Smith and Jigba. And I want to kind of retrocede back to a little bit of that school of thought Tim, Tim was talking about uh, that I share is there's either they either drafted Jackson Smith and Jigba at 20 overall, the, the first receiver off the board. For two reasons. Either they think he's an, that dominant of a slot only threat that he's worth first round capital, or they think he's much more than that. And I think either outcome is fine for fantasy relevance, but it obviously hurts Noah Fant because there's not going to be enough targets for him to go around. He still has some big playability in that, that yak category. But recorded career low counting stats his first year in Seattle, career low averages across the board, just 63 targets, 50 passes caught, 486 yards, four touchdowns, 7.2 points per game. That was tight end 23 overall. And again, snap participation, route participation, all of that also at a career low in 2022. And that suggests to me that like, although he was a part of that trade package, that trade was really seemingly just got done to get russell wilson out of seattle it suggests and get the draft picks but the seahawks brass and in head coaching system like they had him for a full season and nothing really linearly improved for noah fan either so i don't think they trust him much um but with that said and, and I'll, I'll take the initiative to kind of the segue it here is that's the dynasty stash as well like noah fant is and I, I, shout out to Coop Fiasco. He's a phenomenal tight end mind. You can follow him on Twitter as well. But he said it best to me. Like, Noah Fant just reeks of Delaney Walker. Like, he has every single thing that you're just waiting. It's just waiting, waiting. And then at age 30, he's going to give you three top tight end five seasons in a row. Like, and Noah Fant just reeks of that. He's a guy that I keep as, as long as he's going to be as, at tight end 23 ADP. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll see what managers want to get him off the roster because that's basically what the outlook is for him. And I think obviously, obviously the athleticism is there. He's put up two top 12 point per game seasons in his first two seasons in Denver and then declined obviously last year or the season before Seattle and then in Seattle, but he's got top 12 point per game seasons in an age where you're not supposed to see them happen for tight ends. And I think Noah fan is going to just, it's going to take a change of scenery. It's going to take a, the proper system as it does for most tight ends, but he checks all of the boxes. He just doesn't check them right now. Before Kyle Pitts, there was no offense. Fan. Exactly though. That's a, that's a f- bar <laughs> because it's true. And it's just, it's the same as Delaney Walker, just, Phenomenal collegiate production, athletic freak, size, speed, played well, showed flashes, but system never used him in, in San Francisco of all of all teams, you know, just never used Delaney and then goes to Tennessee and breaks out as one of the best fantasy tight ends ever in three consecutive seasons. So, yeah, I, I think Noah Fant still has that range of outcomes. It's he's just you got to stash him. 
talented dude. No, no, no doubt about it. I, I agree. Definitely, if someone's willing to give him up for like a, you know, a future third or fourth round pick, why not? It's, you know? it's even cheaper than that at this point. But like, yeah, a fourth is def could definitely get it done. Or throw but, him in a trade. You know, just yeah, like I, that's what I mean. I want him in it as like a kicker for something else where people aren't even thinking about him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean? He's just one of those guys that I kind of want to keep on rosters as long as I'm not, you know, crowded, overloaded team. And, and yeah, probably like. Uh, a fourth is an opening window for rookie value, but Noah fan is definitely getting forgotten about even behind guys like, you know, Isaiah likely and, and other rookies that are stuck behind uh, Trey McBride and, and that are, you're just waiting even longer for their production. So no longer will you have to wait a week uh, for an episode. Oh, sorry. Oh, dynasty. Stash. <laughs> no longer will we, you have to wait a week for an episode. As Michael, you know, only took him two episodes to cut me off in the middle of a transition. Uh, just tradition, tradition. You can't Anytime, even bro. when it's different. You can't. You can't help it. Uh, follow us at Broto FF Tim, at Broto FF Mike, at Broto FF Jason, at Broto FF Casanova, at Psychward FF, at Broto Fantasy, at FF by Broto. Follow us on Threads at Broto Fantasy, uh, YouTube, YouTube.com/slash Broto Fantasy, and of course, download the app Patreon.com/slash Broto Fantasy to support. We're gonna see you tomorrow. Tim Not Dynasty Stash. Yes, was Noah Fant. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I thought. I, I mean, you were discussing it. tight end. Missed my segue. He segue. <laughs> he segued in everything. He I guess segued I in everything. I guess the transition confused me. Don't forget, Michael's gonna. Michael's gonna tell me about oh how I always mess up, and this is two in a, just two two in a row now. Two in a row. Yeah, what are you gonna eh. do? All right, who next week. By who? Which Ooh. one? I mean, tomorrow. Which one do you guys want to do next? In the AFC West. Let's go to the Cardinals, brother. Cardinals, really? Yep. That should be a short episode. Later. <laughs> Later.